Welcome to the BU Podcast, where lighthearted banter meets deep topics of the heart and soul. We're your hosts, Angela Lucia Lewis and Chris Sirock. Chris, my dear friend, how are you? How have you been? Angela, I've been great. It's so exciting to be back for this episode. I'm looking forward to hearing what we'll be talking about. (laughs) Well, I have your book, Be You, in my hand right now. And uh, I'd love to dive into some of the content you have here. Maybe we should start at the beginning. How does that sound? That sounds just great. Okay. Well, the beginning is your first chapter around the journey. Mm. Yeah, I guess the first chapter captures the essence of the whole set of teachings, which is to see things as a journey. The example I use sometimes is when we go to the movies, usually the story unfolds with the would-be hero who hasn't yet assumed that role, you know, something bad happens to, to him or her, a loss or something, and then that pushes them to assume the hero's journey, and then the rest of the movie is about them figuring out that situation and coming out on the other side uh, as a victor and stronger or wiser, whatever it may be. So as we're watching in the audience, when we see bad things happening at first, we, we don't call up to the projector person and say, stop, stop. We all sob and like, why is this happening? And question the whole thing. No, we know it's part of the unfolding of the story. And we actually look forward to seeing how the protagonist is going to get out of this situation, turn that into something positive. And so the same thing applies to life. We are on this journey and things are unfolding, but when we're in our head and we're trying to control and steer life, that that tendency to want to say, stop, why is this happening? Why me? Always me. And, you know, self-criticism or doubt and blame getting caught up in the past or who, you know, who else is at fault and all of this noise sets in and we then we amplify each moment into something much bigger than what it is because what it is is the unfolding of life and there's uh there's insight and wisdom and learning and growth and that's what this whole journey is about right and so you say it's this resistance to growth that might be uncomfortable or maybe what's happening in life that might be uncomfortable you also mentioned in your first chapter, The Journey, who you are is already perfect. It's how you see yourself that gets in the way of your perfection. Yes. It's true. It's like, you know, when we don't have self-love or we're not in full acceptance of who we are, we keep trying to strive to be a different version of ourselves. You know, and you go on to say that we shouldn't deny who we are, that we should accept who we are in this moment. Yes, we are created as who we are and any resistance to that is futile. You can try and change yourself and change yourself and all that really does is create misery. Growth is taking away the layers of self-doubt, of trauma, of hurt and woundedness, or just simply beliefs that we should be someone we're not. And a lot of that is conditioning and a lot of that is well-meaning conditioning even, right? The people we grow up with and caregivers and parents and peers and teachers, they say something and we start to go by 
those voices, outside voices, and we deny our inner voice that's telling us who we really are. Yeah. And I want to point out that there's nothing wrong with striving to be a better version of yourself and setting personal goals, personal development goals, professional goals to increase your skill sets, your capacity or whatever it is. But I think it goes back to accepting where you are right now. And then, of course, striving, but not changing the core essence of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Of course, working with what you have at the moment of when you have it is the key to everything. <clears throat> That's you, what you have to work with. So. so let me ask you this. If someone is struggling with accepting where they're at right now because they so badly want to be, you know, 10 steps ahead or whatever, wherever, what would you advise? What is a practice that someone can do to accept where they are right now? Yeah. So the key word you mentioned it is to have a practice. And that practice is ultimately practicing not getting ahead of yourself. And what is getting ahead of yourself? Well, it's just a projection of thoughts. Ultimately, it's just a bundle of thoughts of wanting to be farther along which is really just something the, the mind makes up. We make that up. We kind of have these snapshots of where we want to be. And we think that would then create happiness. But that's not allowing life to unfold. That's just kind of like projecting a, a big bundle of thoughts into the future. And it's never accurate. The mind can't predict the future. No one can. And they're ultimately, if you want to get philosophical, is that there is no future. This is just a, a random collection of thoughts that we create it's in a separate space from the actual reality of our existence, of life unfolding. So it's kind of this really strange thing that we do that. Animals don't do that. Trees don't do that. They're all where they are, plugged into life, living it. And if a storm comes along, they deal with it. They hunker down, the tree bends, and, and if sunshine comes along, they open up their petals, and um, they're responding. Nature's always just responding and to itself, to, to being. So we take ourselves out of the being with that, and so we just have to practice being, and that is a meditation. It can be nature walks. It can be immersing oneself in like just like a favorite activity, like cooking or reading or all these little things, actually, that ground us, that bring us back to right now. And we just have to do more of that so that we spend less of our time projecting bundles of thoughts into the future. So I'm hearing you say... Do things you enjoy and be in those moments. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And this will help for you to accept where you are. But what if there's so much resistance? What if one is so distracted by all of these thoughts and it's so hard to just be in the moment and there's racing thoughts and there's anxiety and all of these things that are distracting one from being present with oneself, connecting with oneself and truly accepting yeah. oneself. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we've grown up, all of us, and, and become conditioned to operate the way you just described, just constantly trying to control and steer our environment in a certain way because we think that's what gets us to where we need to go to be happy. If you think about it, it's a screwy way of living life separate from life unfolding. This little organism that each and every one of us is, is as miraculous as we are, we don't have the power to 
control the entire universe because then everyone is trying to control the universe in, in their own little way and it's just not how things work. Uh, so it's really just surrendering to how things work and how life is unfolding on its own and then working with what's there, what it's bringing along and responding to those opportunities. And there's incredible creativity and magic in, in that unknown. The mind freaks out because it doesn't like the unknown. It's, it's a tool designed to know things. But ultimately, that's why we need to come out of the, the mind because you can't know life. It's, it's happening. It's unfolding. All this anxiety and noise is, is not our natural state. We've been conditioned by a world that is very head-heavy, extremely mental, that thinks it can steer and control life, that tells us we can be who we want to be while we can be who we're supposed to be. We can't just make up a, an idea based on a movie or something our parents told us we should be and then decide to become that. That's, that's not following your own blueprint. So we have to get in touch with our own blueprint. And that means coming out of that anxious head, that fearful headspace. And uh, I... You know, highly recommend meditation. The, the noisier our life is, the, the more we need to really sit with in stillness and observe our thoughts so that we don't identify with them as who we are. And so ultimately, it's very simple. We just have to return and, and create a foundation for stillness and calming that noisy mind so it doesn't create those anxious thoughts. But you have to do it. And if we don't do it, if I don't do my mindfulness practice, before long, the noise returns. Unfortunately, we're never really taught this growing up. I wasn't for sure. My parents didn't know about these things. It's much more acceptable and accessible today. I mean, there are companies that hire meditators and yoga teachers and mindfulness hour, right? So it's happening, but it just needs to happen a little more. <laughs> right. We're, uh, we're getting there. You know, you mentioned a couple of different things, yoga, you know, mindfulness, and I'm just loving that there's just so many different methods and modalities and techniques that are extensions of meditation or even alternatives, really, right? Like anything to get you out of your head and into your body. So shaking things out, TRE, breathing, deep breath, sound, vibrations, right? Like sound bowls. There's so many somatic therapies. And what would you say about using these in conjunction with meditation or in lieu of meditation? Yeah, I would say try out till you find something that works and then stick with it. All of these things work. It's just a question of it's the same rule with everything in life. The more we practice something, the deeper we go, the more permanent the change and then have that stillness within us and bring to other situations. I would just say keep exploring like you say there's so many things right it's it's amazing yeah and i found that you know at first meditation was really hard for me you know my monkey brain was always jumping all over the place and so i found these other tools and techniques that get me out of my head and into my body to help sort of set the foundation for meditation it's starting to become easier to quiet my mind and meditate after 
I had a way to really release all of the intense thoughts and feelings that were running through me. Yeah. If the mind is particularly crazy one day, super monkey mind, then the usual meditation or breath work may not help. And it's always good to have a number of tools, right, in your toolbox. Most important is to find something that works and then stick with it. We have to try things out to see if they work. But if we just keep dabbling, then it doesn't. Uh, we got to stick with something once we feel like oh, that works. And it doesn't have to last forever. It may be your go-to method for a while, and then it, you kind of grow out of it or grow into something else. But that, that'll happen naturally, organically. Most important is to start with something and stick with it. I love that. We should definitely give a new technique or modality a chance, right? If it didn't resonate fully the first time, but you know, you're still curious, at least try it a second time, maybe a third time. Yeah. Maybe three is a lucky number. I'm not sure. Kind of arbitrary, but <laughs> stick with something to actually see its effects, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So one last question for you before we wrap up this episode. Great segue into what can folks expect at BU retreats? would love to hear what some of the various different techniques and practices are. Yes. Well, thank you for asking. It's exciting. Ultimately, as we said earlier in the episode, the challenge is to implement a routine intellectually. All of this makes sense, right? But from there, then the, the ultimate step is the integration and the implementation. So what we do at BU Retreats is create a routine. They're eight days long, eight days and seven nights, and each day is structured uh, in such a way that there's a buildup and a structure that starts to emerge that you can then take back into your regular life and continue with. In the beginning, at least, it's very helpful to have an environment that nurtures that routine, that holds space for that routine, and, and, and that you're surrounded by others who are also like-minded and become a network for you to feel like there's no other distractions. This is a community and support network. So you take with you this integrated sense of, well, this is what's brought me peace. And I now have a way of continuing that in my daily life. Excellent. Just like going back to the gym, sometimes we need a personal trainer to hold us accountable. And it sounds like these eight days is mental gymnastics. You're our trainer. And we um, really get to the practice and the rhythm. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And the important thing is be retreats strike a balance between the being and the doing. So you might go to you know other retreats, uh, yoga or meditation, where it's just a ton of yoga and meditation. And but what we do, it's learning to hold that quality of connectedness to yourself and to life while you're doing other things, while you're doing, right? So we, we practice the balance between being and doing. So we're not just creating routines, but we're creating a, the ability to maintain the being quality and how to carry that with you over into the doing. Because ultimately, when we go back to our busy lives is then we're surrounded and immersed in the doing again, and being tends to fall to the wayside. So BU treats and give you the tools and the structure to take the being into the doing. Yes. How to juggle both. Excellent. Well, thank you, Chris. I enjoyed being with you and doing this podcast. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Until next time. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Angela.